0: Section 22 of The Phenomenology of Mind, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Phenomenology of Mind, Volume 1, by George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Translated by James Black Bailey. Chapter 5b, subsection c. Virtue and the Course of the World. Translator's Note. The mood of moral sentimentalism is reduced to confusion and contradiction, but the subjective individualism in which it is rooted is not yet eradicated. Individualism now takes refuge in another attitude which claims to do greater justice to the inherent universality of rational self-realization, but yet clings to its particular individuality as an inalienable possession it now tries to make the realization of universal purposes in the shape of the good depend solely on its own activity the objective sphere in which the good is to be carried out being regarded as at once external to its ends opposing its activity and yet requiring these ends to be carried out in order to have any moral significance individualism looks on the good as its private perquisite and makes it personal merit and glory out of its action in carrying out the good this external realm is the course of the world which in itself is thought to contain no goodness and which only gets a value if the good is realized in it the world's course is thus to owe its goodness to the efforts of the individual a struggle ensues for the situation is contradictory and the issue of the struggle goes to prove that the individual is not the fons et origi boni that goodness does not await his efforts and that in fact the course of the world is at heart good The soul of the world is righteous. The attitude analyzed here is that of abstract moral idealism, the mood of moral strenuousness, the mood that constantly seeks the improvement and perfectibility of mankind. It is found in many forms, but particularly wherever there is any strong enmity between the ideal life and the life of the world. End of translator's note. Virtue and the course of the world. In the first mode of active reason, self-consciousness felt it was pure individuality and over against this stood empty universality in the second the two factors in the antithesis had each both the moments within them both law and individuality the one factor the heart was their immediate unity the other their opposition here in the relation of virtue and the course of the world both members are each severally unity and antithesis of the moments are each a process but in the opposite direction of law and individuality inter se for the virtuous consciousness law is the essential element and individuality the one to be superseded and cancelled both in the case of its own conscious life as well as in that of the course of the world in the former case the private individuality claimed by any one has to be brought under the discipline and control of the universal the inherently good and true it remains there however still a personal consciousness true cultivation and discipline consist solely in the surrender of the entire personality as a way of making sure that in point of fact individual peculiarities are no longer asserted and insisted on. In this individual surrender, individuality, as it is found in the world's process, is at the same time annihilated, for individuality is also a simple moment common to both. In the world's process, individuality adopts a position the reverse of what it is in the case of the virtuous consciousness, that is that of making itself the essential factor and subordinating to its own ends the inherently good and true further the course of the world too does not as regards virtue mean merely a universal thus overturned and perverted through individuality absolute law and order form likewise a common moment consciously found to be in the world's process not however in the sense of an existing actual fact but as the inmost essence of the process that regulative order therefore has not, properly speaking, to be first produced by virtue, for the production of it means qua action, a consciousness of individuality, and consists rather in superseding the latter. By thus cancelling individuality, however, the inherent nature of the world's process merely gets room, as it were, to enter real existence independently, on its own account, an und für sich selbst. The general content of the actual course of the world has already made itself known, looked at more closely it is again nothing else than the two preceding movements of self-consciousness from them has come virtue shape and mould for since they originated virtue has them before it its aim however is to supersede its source and origin and realise itself or be for itself become objectively explicit the way of the world is thus from one point of view particular individuality seeking its pleasure and enjoyment finding itself overthrown in doing so and as a result satisfying the demands of the universal but this satisfaction like the rest of the moments of this relationship is a perverted state and process of the universal the real fact is merely the particular pleasure and enjoyment while the universal is opposed to it a necessity which is only the empty shape of universality a merely negative reaction the form of an act without any content the other moment of the world's process is individuality which wants to be a law independently and on its own account and under the influence of this conceit upsets the established regular order the universal law no doubt manages to hold its own against this sort of conceit and no longer appears in the form of an empty opposite over against consciousness does not play the role of a lifeless necessity but is a necessity operating within the conscious life itself but in the sense in which it is a reality existing in a conscious state of absolute contradiction, it is madness, while in the sense in which it is an objective reality, it is simply utter perversion. The universal, then, in both aspects, proves to be the might that moves them, but the existential form this force assumes is merely that of general perversion. It is from virtue that the universal is now to receive its true reality, by cancelling individuality, the principle of perversion. Virtue's purpose is by this means to transmute again the perverted world's process, and bring out its true inner nature. This true being is in the world process merely in the form of its implicit inherent nature, it is not yet actual, and hence virtue merely believes it. Virtue proceeds to raise this faith to sight, without, however, enjoying the fruit of its labor and sacrifice. For so far as it is individuality, it is the active carrying on of the contest which it wages with the world's process its purpose and true nature however lie in conquering the reality of the world's process and the existence of the good thereby effectuated carries with it the cessation of its action that is of the consciousness of individuality how the struggle itself will come off what virtue finds out in the course of it whether by the sacrifice which virtue takes upon itself to undergo the world's process succumbs while virtue triumphs all this must be decided from the nature of the living weapons the combatants carry for the weapons are nothing else than the essential being of the combatants themselves a being which only makes its appearance for them both reciprocally but their weapons are is in this way already evident from what is inherently implied in this struggle the universal is an authentic element for the virtuous consciousness as a matter of belief it is implicitly or inherently true not yet an actual but an abstract universality it plays the part of purpose in the case of this consciousness and of inner principle in that of the world's process. Precisely by having this character, the universal also manifests itself in the relation of virtue to the world's process. For virtue first wills to carry out the good, and does not in the first instance claim reality for it. This characteristic can also be looked at in this way. The good, in that it comes on the scene in the struggle with the world's process, thereby manifests itself in the form of what is for another, as something which is not self-contained, an und für sich selbst, for otherwise it would not want to get at its own truth by vanquishing its opposite. By having its being only when it is for another is meant the same as was shown in the opposite way of looking at it, that is, that it is to begin with an abstraction which only attains a reality in a relation and has no reality of itself as it stands. The good or universal, as it appears here, is then what is called gifts, capacities, powers. It is a mode or form of spiritual life, where it is presented as a universal, which requires the principle of individuality to give it life and movement, and in individuality finds its realization. This universal is applied well by the principle of individuality, so far as this principle dwells in the consciousness of virtue, and misused by it so far as it is in the world's process a passive instrument which can be regulated and directed by the hand of free individuality quite irrespective of the use it is put to and can be misused for the production of a reality which means its ruin a lifeless material deprived of its own independence a material that can be formed in this way or that or even to its own destruction since this universal is at the beck and call equally of the virtuous consciousness as well as of the course of the world It is not apparent whether this equipment virtue would get the better of vice. The weapons are the same, these capacities and powers. Virtue has, it is true, carefully ensconced its belief in the original unity of its purpose and the essential nature of the world's process, and the reserve thus placed in ambush is intended to fall on the rear of the enemy during the fight, and per se accomplish its own purpose so that thereby the knight of virtue finds as a matter of fact that his part in waging this warfare is properly speaking a mere sham fight which he cannot take seriously because he puts all his strength and confidence in the good being self-sufficient and real per se that is in the bringing about of its own fulfilment a sham fight which he dare not even allow to become serious for what he turns against the enemy and finds turned against himself and what both in his own case and as regards his enemy as well he runs the risk of getting wasted and damaged in the struggle is not the good itself he fights to keep and carry that out what is exposed to the hazard of the contest is merely gifts and capacities that are indifferent to the issue but these in point of fact are nothing else than just that universal from which individuality has been eliminated and which is to be conserved and actualized by the struggle this universal however is at the same time directly realized and ipso facto made actual by the very notion of the contest it is the inherent essential nature the universal and its actualization means merely that it is at the same time for another the two aspects mentioned above in each of which it became an abstraction are no longer separated it is in and through the struggle that the good is primarily affirmed and established in both forms The virtuous consciousness, however, enters into conflict with the way of the world as if this were a factor opposed to the good. What the conflict brings to light is the universal, not merely as an abstract universal, but as one animated by individuality, and existing for another, in other words, the universal in the sense of the actually real good. Wherever virtue comes to grips with the world's process, it always hits upon places where goodness is found to exist. The good as the inherent nature of the world's process is inseparably interwoven with all the manifestations of it with all the ways in which the world's process makes its appearance and where it is real the good has its own existence too virtue thus finds the world's process invulnerable all the moments which virtue was to jeopardize in itself when dealing with the world's process all the moments which it was to sacrifice These are just so many ways in which goodness exists, and consequently are inviolable relations. The conflict can, therefore, only be an oscillation between conserving and sacrificing, or rather there can be no place for either sacrificing one's own, or doing harm to what comes from elsewhere. Virtue is not merely like a combatant whose sole concern in the fight is to keep his sword well burnished, but it has even started the fight simply to preserve its weapons. And not merely is it unable to use its own weapons, but it must also preserve intact those of its enemy, and protect them against its own attack, seeing they are all noble parts of the good, on behalf of which it enters the field of battle. This enemy, on the other hand, has as its essential element not the inherent universal, but individuality. Its forces thus the negative principle, before which nothing stands, nothing is absolutely sacred, but which can risk and endure the loss of everything and anything. In so doing, it feels victory to be assured, as much from its very nature as by the contradiction in which its opponent gets entangled. What is to virtue implicit and inherent is taken merely as an explicit objective fact in the case of the world's process the latter is detached from every moment which virtue finds fixed and to which it is fast secured the world process has such a moment under its power and has consequently in its control the tethered knight of virtue bound thereto by the fact that this moment is held to be merely one which the world's process can as readily cancel as let be this knight of valour cannot work himself loose from it as he might from a cloak thrown round him and get free by leaving it behind for it is to him the essential element which there is no getting rid of finally as to the ambush out of which the inherent good is cunningly and craftily to fall on the rear of the world's process this hope is vain and foolish from its very nature the world's process is the mind sure of itself and ever on the alert that can never be got at from behind but fronts breast-forward every quarter For it consists in this that everything is an objective element for it, everything stands before it. But when the inherent goodness is for its enemy, then it finds itself in the struggle we have seen. So far, however, as it is not for its enemy, but subsists in itself, it is the passive instrument of gifts and capacities, material without reality. If represented as object, it would be a dormant consciousness, remaining in the background, no one knows where virtue will thus be overpowered by the world's process because the abstract unreal essence is in fact virtue's own purpose and because its action as regards reality rests on distinctions that are solely a matter of words virtue wanted to consist in the fact of bringing about the realization of goodness through sacrificing individuality but the aspect of reality is itself nothing else than the aspect of individuality the good was meant to be what is implicit and inherent and opposed to what is but the implicit and inherent taken in its real truth is simply being itself the implicitly inherent element is primarily the abstraction of essence as against actual reality but the abstraction is just what is not true but a distinction merely for consciousness this means however it is itself what is called actual for the actual is what essentially is for another or it is being but the consciousness of virtue rests on this distinction of implicitness and explicit being a distinction without any true validity the world's process was to be the perversion of the good because it took individuality for its principle but this latter is the principle of actual reality for it is just that mode of consciousness by which what is implicit and inherent is for another as well the world's process transmutes and perverts the unchangeable but does so in fact by transmuting it out of the nothingness of abstraction into the being of reality the way of the world is then victorious over what in opposition to it constitutes virtue it is victorious over that whose nature is an unreal abstraction but it is not victorious over something real but over the production of distinctions that are no distinctions over this pompous talk about the best for mankind and the oppression of humanity about sacrifice for goodness sake, and the misuse of gifts, imaginary idealities, and purposes of that sort, fall on the ear as idle phrases, which exalt the heart, and leave the reason a blank, which edify, but build up nothing that endures, declamations whose only definite announcement is that the individual who professes to act for such high ends, and indulges in such fine phrases, holds himself for a fine creature, a swollen enlargement which gives itself and others a mighty size of a head, but big from inflation with emptiness. Virtue in the olden time had its secure and determinate significance, for it found the fullness of its content and its solid basis in the substantial life of the nation, and had for its purpose and end a concrete good that existed and lay at its hand. It was also for that reason not directed against actual reality as a general perversity, and not turned against the world process. The virtue above considered, however, is removed from that substantial life, and is outside it, a virtue with no essential being, a virtue merely an idea and in words, and one that is deprived of all that content. The vacuousness of this rhetorical eloquence, in conflict with the world's process, would be at once discovered if it could be stated what all its eloquent phrases amount to. They are therefore assumed to be familiar and well understood. request to say what then this well-known is would be either met by a new swell of phrases or in reply there would be an appeal to the heart which inwardly tells what they mean which is tantamount to an admission of inability to say what the meaning is the fatuousness of that style of eloquence seems too in a quasi-unconscious manner to have got the length of being an acknowledged certainty for the cultivated minds of our time since all interest in the whole mass of those rhetorical spread-eagle phrases has disappeared, a loss of interest which is betrayed in the sheer wearisomeness they produce. The result, then, arising from this opposition, consists in the fact that consciousness lets the idea of an inherent good, which yet has no actual reality, slip from it like a mere cloak. Consciousness has learned in the course of its struggle that the world's process is not so bad as it looked, for the reality of the world's process is that of the universal. With the discovery of this, it is seen that there is no way of producing the good through the sacrifice of individuality, the means for doing so have gone. For individuality is precisely the explicit actualisation of what is implicitly and inherently real, that is, the universal. And the perversion ceases to be looked at as a perversion of goodness, for it is just the transmuting of the good, qua bare purpose, into actual reality the moving process of individuality is the realising of the universal. In point of fact, however, what as world process stood opposed to the consciousness of the inherently and implicitly real, has likewise been vanquished and has disappeared with the attainment of the above result. The self-existence of individuality was there in opposition to the inner essential nature, the universal, and made its appearance as a reality cut off from the inherent implicit nature, Since, however, it has come out that reality is in undivided unity with the universal, the self-existence of the world's process proves to have no longer a being, just as the inherent nature, ansicht, of virtue is merely an aspect too, ansicht. The individuality of the world's process may doubtless think it acts merely for itself or selfishly. It is better than it thinks. Its action is at the same time one that is universal and with an inherent being of its own if it acts selfishly it does not know what it is doing and if it insists that all men act selfishly it merely asserts that all men are unaware as to what action is if it acts for itself this is just the explicit bringing into reality of what is at first implicit and inherent the purpose of its self-existence of its being for itself which it fancies opposed to the inherent nature its futile ingenuity and cunning as also its fine-spun explanations, which so knowingly demonstrate the existence of selfishness everywhere, all these have as much vanished as the purpose of the inherent element and its rhetorical eloquence. Thus then, the effort, the struggle, the activity of individuality, is inherently an end in itself. The use of powers, the play of their outward manifestations, that is what gives them life. Otherwise, they would be lifeless, potential, and merely implicit, an sich. The inherent implicit nature is not an abstract universal without existence and never carried into effect. It is itself immediately this actual present and this living actuality of the process of individuality. End of section 22